Alonzo. He'll dance. He'll step. He'll shoot. And he hits it at the buzzer. No time left. And the Rockets have won the game. beat Brooks off the bounce going glass and Pauly Stein flushes it Dallas has the lead of the Grizzlies call for time offensively for the Grizzlies they can slow down and throw the ball inside and use Valanciunas Pauly Stein is used on that roll to the basket but without Valanciunas we are here to feel your Rockets news this is the Rockets Field podcast presented by Clutch Fan I am your co-host LaShar Binkley of course you can always find me on Twitter at Binkley Hoops and you can find my written work on the Dream Shake uh, that's actually presented by SB Nation. As you can see, I'm joined by my co-host, uh, Mr. Anthony Duckett. How's it going, AD? Going good, man. Good to be back with you for another week, man. <clears throat> oh, yeah, definitely. As you can see in the clip, we actually had something to talk about <laughs> other than actually manufacturing news. A Rockets news. We actually have a little bit to talk about, as you saw in the clip with Willie Cauley Stein, who the Rockets recently signed to a training, training camp deal. Uh, which means, basically, he's going to compete for uh, a spot just like Bruno Fernando. Um, he's going to actually, actually compete for a uh, roster spot because the Rockets are not actually over their training camp roster limit, so they're going to actually have to cut somebody to get back down to the uh, 20-man limit. Um, so that's kind of where I want to start there, AD. But before I kick it off, I want to let everybody know where they can find your content. You can find me on Twitter at A underscore Duckett. Find me on Instagram at Antho Duckett. Uh, also find me here on Rock and Field Podcast. <clears throat> and uh, like I was saying, uh, the Rockets going to probably have to cut somebody. And I actually think it's probably going to be Marquise Chris because I don't think they want to cut Boban. I think they're fine with having him at the end of the bench. We don't know what they're going to do with the other um, players that were involved in the deal, Sterling Brown and um, Trey Burke. So we'll see what happens with them too as well. But Chris is probably the more likely person that they're going to cut before training camp. Um, but I want to start there with um, Willie Cauley-Stein. He didn't play a lot last year, only played 20 games between Dallas and Philadelphia. Um, has really been kind of up and down since his days with Sacramento where he had his best years, um, his best season probably 2017-18 um, around there where he averaged like 13.7 rebounds. But since then, he's kind of been a journeyman, a uh, big man going from team to team. So I want to get your opinion, AD. What's kind of your – Thoughts on the uh, signing? I mean, I know it's not really a huge deal because, again, he has to compete for a spot. So it's not like it's a standard guaranteed contract. But what's kind of your thoughts on your, uh, them signing Willie Cauley-Stein to a uh, training camp deal? Yeah, so I actually agree with you. He, he will have to obviously make make the team. Um, and I think, you know, Marquise Chris will be the the person for sure because Boban's got a lot of value with those commercials, man. Those commercials. <laughs> At the very least. <laughs> Tim and I like that publicity at the least, yeah. <laughs> Those commercials bring that's a lot of value to this team, man. Yeah. So Bobon, so Bobon's gonna be on the team for that, nothing else. <laughs> um but uh yeah, um Marcus Chris obviously was you know, I think he had he had Achilles surgery or ACL surgery, so he's yeah. probably gonna be out all season anyway. So that's kind of natural, you know, easy decision to make. But um, I mean as far as Carly Stein, I, I I mean, if he makes the roster. I mean, you're not really expecting him to give you more than, what, maybe 10, 15 minutes a night? Maybe. Um, you know, uh, it seems like the Rockets value bringing in, like, veteran big, reserve bigs. We were talking about that before we before we started recording. 
You know, last year was a Daniel Tice. The year before was yeah. Boogie Cousins. You know, it seems like it's kind of the mold. We hear a lot about, you know, you hear a lot around the team about, you know, veteran presence, you know, r- rubbing off on the young guys. So it seems yeah. like they definitely value bringing in those vets, um, kind of having them rub off on, you know, some, we're a very young team. I think still the youngest team. Um, if not, not, pretty close, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, cl- close to the top if we're not the youngest. So maybe you're hoping that he can kind of, you know, rub off on Garuba, maybe help Garuba, you know, from a standpoint of staying on the court, you know, professional, how to go about, you know, being in the NBA, you know, taking care of your body, staying in your conditioning, fitness. Because um, there is value that Willie Collier-Stein could bring in that regard. The dude's been in the league forever, it feels yeah. like. Um, like you said, Journeyman, he's found a role on a lot of different teams so I think the most like the material value that you're going to get from having him is really that. I don't really know that on the court. You're, again, he's not going to be playing enough. I don't think for him to really um, give you value on the floor as far as it like in the game per se. Um, and also, you know, we we are a young team and we are not going to be contending this season. So it's not like we we're going to say, hey, we need this proven veteran to come here and play 25 minutes and help us crash a glass and be a real lob threat and all things. I mean, he can probably do that in a minimal role, but I think his role will be just that it's going to be minimal. Yeah, if he makes I mean, it. If, exactly. I was about to say that even if he makes a roster, cause um, you got to think about it. You have, now you have Willie Collins Stein, you have Bruno Fernando, who's Magaruba, who, who knows if he's a four or five at this point. And then like we mentioned earlier, Boban um, at the very least Boban, going to give you certain advantages in certain matchups. I mean, even if he's playing five minutes a, a game and it's only one or two games a week, he's giving you some value because he is still one of the biggest people in the entire NBA. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's not even a guarantee that he's going to make the roster. Um, I mean, he does give you another uh, actual legitimate pick-and-roll seven-footer that can play yeah. above the rim. Um, just watching some of his play the last several years, especially the last couple of years, um, he's not exactly the most fluid player on the court, doesn't set the, the best picks, but once he does get rolled to the basket, he does get players like Jalen Green, KPJ, a lot of threat that they don't have really right now um, outside of maybe Fernando in some spots. But, um, I mean, Willie Collison is actually a legitimate seven-footer, so that's something the Rockets rarely have on their roster, and now they actually have two of them. So, I mean, I guess that's some value with that, but, I don't know. Personally, I still think Fernando is a better option as the backup center. I still need to see more from Garuba because I still think Garuba is a project. I still think he's going to have another couple of years before he's really going to be able to, uh, you know, actually give the Rockets really valuable minutes on the court. I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if Garuba's back in the G League, um, like we kind of talked about last week. I mean, he still has a lot to learn. He still has to learn to be able to stay out of foul trouble. That was one of the things that he ran into, issue he ran into in the few games he played for the Vipers last year when he actually got steady minutes was he couldn't stay on the court because he was steady getting in foul trouble. Something the coach uh, Abdel Fatah talked about a lot of post games, stuff that he needs to learn. He needs to learn being in a better position. He needs to learn how not to reach so much. Um, he has to learn how to be better as far as on the board so he's not jumping over people's back. So he's still got a lot to learn, and maybe he gets better this next year. But I still think Fernando, who's been in the league a few years, who actually showed some promise in the very limited time he had last year, I still think he gives you the best option as a backup center because end of the day, 
I mean, I know Willie Collie Stein is a seven footer, but again, he has to be able to make a huge impact in a short amount of time. And I think Fernando has a better chance of that. So that's kind of another thing I want to ask you. So at this point, with the centers they have, who do you think is is the better option um, for the backup center? We'll see more of them in training camp and preseason, so we have a better idea. But right now, who do you think is still a better option as far as the backup center? Uh, I think or, probably or none of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I think we're going to have a lot of small lineups yeah. for sure because um, we don't have, like you said, we really only have two legit seven-footers. You know, Singoon, um, or close enough to it, and Cauley Stein. Um, I still think I, I think I agree with you. I'm, I still am intrigued by Bruno Fernando um, as far as the backup center. I feel like if they had it their way, it would be Garuba. But yeah. like, like you said, we don't we don't really know, you know, what whether he's done, you know, can he stay healthy? Will he be playing in the G League? We really haven't seen much from Garuba at all. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't even know what you have out of him. So you don't really know if he can be that yet. You know, um, so I, I feel like Fernando probably would be the best option as a as a backup five. But I know that that if they had it their way, it would be Garuba. But I think the Cauley Stein signing makes sense because I forgot altogether that Sinos coached coached him up in Dallas. Sure. Um, so it could be a comfort thing. You know, we know how Silas is about his guys that he trusts, you know, yeah. so that could also be factoring into, you know, the decision to, to bring him in. Uh, and maybe because of that, maybe he does be end up being the legit backup big, yeah. because there's that trust factor. But um, I just feel like you probably you can definitely get more from Fernando. Also, you have to still be in, in evaluation mode, assessing you know the pieces that we could have for the future for the long term. And I know that Fernando's on a two way deal. Um, no, I'm sorry, he's on a, he's on an Exhibit Ten deal. Exhibit Ten deal, which can be converted to a two way. Into a two way, yeah. So. So maybe maybe there's it'll be a while before we, we see that you know come to fruition. But if that's the case, then then um, you know maybe it does end up being college time. But I, I just feel like you should be in evaluation mode, trying to assess what you have for when you're ready to start competing, contending, which I think will be after this season. Yeah, because you made a good point. The Rockets want Garuba to be that person. Because let's be honest, if Garuba was just some player they signed last year. If, even if at his age, if they were just some player that they signed from somebody else's training camp that didn't make the team, more than likely he still wouldn't be on the team. If you right. factor in the fact that he couldn't stay healthy, and then again you go into this year and he did, he couldn't play in summer league this year, he probably wouldn't be on the team. But the fact that he was drafted by the Rockets more than likely means that they're going to give him more opportunities than they are going to give Fernando or Willie Colley Stein. So one of those two players is going to really outplay Garuba. I mean. It can't be like close, like a Knicks, Ty Ty Washington yeah. type thing. They got to really outplay them to be able to make the roster. They really want Garuba to be that guy because right. that's why they went out and drafted him. Stone, that's his guy. I'm sure Silas had a lot of input as far as drafting Garuba. So they really want Garuba to be that person. And don't get me wrong, Garuba has talent. I mean, he's definitely has the talent to be able to be a really good defensive player. Yes. Um, his shot still, of course, needs work. And he yeah. still needs help around the basket. But he, he definitely has the raw talent. It's just that he's going to have to figure out a way to put it all together. Um, yeah. And Stone and, was intrigued by that defense because he even yeah. said when he drafted him, like, he's the best defender in the world that's not in the NBA. Yeah. Which is actually – that's actually a lot of praise, I think. Yeah. I mean, he's talking about the entire draft. I mean, and anybody else that's not even playing. Yeah. That's maybe playing overseas. He was just talking about everybody. So, yeah, I mean yeah. – 
they want him to be that guy. So, I mean, he still have every opportunity. He just he can't he can't go in a training camp again and be hurt and then not play in the preseason. And then we'll go through all this again because eventually they're going to run out of patience and move on. For sure. He's a late first-round pick. He's not exactly like he was like their top one or two picks. You know, he's or even a lottery pick, pick at all. Uh, a lottery pick at all. So at some point, they're going to be like, okay, we got to cut bait and move on and go to somebody else. So yeah. this is his year to make an actual impression on the team, I think, on the actual front office. Um, yeah, because you can't go into next season still where we're now in limbo. What do we have? Yeah. You know, it's an unknown. Because I, I do think while they have been patient with him because he was a first-round pick, I do think that that leash kind of runs thin at a certain point. And if yeah. we're in the same boat a year from now, I think they probably would cut back. Yeah, and he's a backup. He's right. not like he's the starter. And then they're like, okay, we'll keep giving him chances. Like Shangun, who is kind of actually who I want to talk about next a little bit. Yeah. Because um, he did play over in uh, – he was playing Turkey. with the Turkish team. His last game was actually against Slovenia and uh, Luka Doncic and that team where they actually lost in overtime uh, where Alperin actually uh, fouled out. Um, on actually a kind of a silly foul, some of the fouls yeah. we saw he had last year. In terms the of usual. He, uh, unfortunately, um, even though he did play well, he played well actually in both the games that they've had in the last couple of days. Um, last game, he made a, a few really good defensive plays down the stretch that actually helped get him in overtime in the first place. Um, and then Goran Dragic, um, yes, that Goran Dragic um, actually made the uh, game-winning three, and then they end up winning the game, Sylvania, at the end even though Luca didn't even play like the last part of fourth quarter, didn't play any of the overtime. I, don't, I think they were at the point where they weren't trying to push him to play a bunch of minutes, but he actually looked good. He actually looks a little bit bigger than he did uh, last year. So he's like, he's, he's actually good. getting in better shape, um, which he'll need because he's going to be playing at least 25 minutes a game, maybe yeah. 30 minutes a game. Um, so he's definitely got to be in better shape. Um, and he definitely looked like he is. And like I said, he looks a little bit more fluid on the court. Um, he was still making them crazy off balance, off the wrong foot type shots that he always makes. So right, that right. hasn't that hasn't changed. That's actually improved. But one thing I want to ask you about um, LP is going into next year. What's the thing that he needs to improve on the most? I mean, is it the outside shooting? Is it the staying out of foul trouble? What do you think is the thing that you want to see the most improvement from when we get into training camp and start seeing some preseason games? Definitely avoiding the silly, mindless fouls, man. That is yeah. definitely the thing, that, because that's limiting him being on the court. Uh, it also seems like Silas didn't really didn't really like that too much last season. Yeah. We, we were clamoring for, hey, leave him out there, let him play with the fouls, let him stay out there. And yeah. we saw as soon as he started getting foul trouble, Silas would yank him quick, and he would not go back in for you know a while later in the game. So. Yeah. Um, I think the outside shot will 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 develop, but slowly. But to me, the most important thing above all else is avoiding the fouls because that's literally cutting into his minutes and his playing time. Yeah, and that's a good point. And something I saw also from the Turkish team, the Turkish uh, head coach actually took him out toward the end of the game, and he wasn't even playing a lot of some of the situational type um, things that they had towards the end of the game. It could have been also foul trouble, but it was a it was a long period of time where I mean, if you were watching social media, people were like, "Where's LP? Where's LP? He's not playing." I mean, it was a long stretch where he didn't play at all. And it also could have been because they were playing back to back, so maybe they were just trying to rest him up and not play him as much. Because I don't know a lot about international basketball, but apparently it was a friendly game, so it wasn't necessarily anything that would count in the standings. 
So okay. maybe they just weren't pushing them that hard. But um, that's kind of I want to lead to my last question before we wrap up the first segment. Where do you see them as far as late game situation? If they're playing a team like, um, like a Minnesota that has a very agile Carl Anthony Towns, and they're putting them in a lot of pick and roll with Anthony Edwards. Do you see a situation where Alperen Shangun is not playing a lot of these late fourth quarter minutes and maybe they have a Jabari Smith playing backup five? Uh, no. Um, I feel like you, you've got to have you got to have Sengun as you're in your closing lineup. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter the situation, especially this season. Again, uh, it almost feels like a, another red shirt season, if you will. <laughs> yeah. um, and that is kind of a, you know, I won't say meaningless, but the Rockets are not expected to compete this season. Yeah. So I feel like you, you've got to, you got to have him out there in the closing line of if, if for nothing else for him to kind of get that learning, that growth um, for when these games do begin to kind of matter a little bit more as it pertains yeah. to, you know, contending. Because um, the only way he's going to – I mean, if you always yank him whenever you're in that scenario, you're, he's never really going to learn through that, learn from that. Yeah. figure out, you know, what he needs to do, how to adjust, how to adapt. You've got to have him out there if, if for nothing else for him to get that experience and that growth and progression, development. Well, what about you? What do you think? Um, I just think in some circumstances where if it's a close game, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they yeah. want five players that can switch and, and play any position. Um, because we even saw with Denver, sometimes with Jokic, they didn't even have him on the court in some games. Um so, I mean, it may be a circumstance where um, he doesn't play certain certain uh, certain plays down a stretch, not entire like three or four minute stretches, but like maybe you're under 30 seconds and you need to stop, a defensive stop. Maybe you put a Jabari Smith at center if it's not, if you're not playing somebody like an Embiid or somebody where you definitely don't want um, Jabari Smith going up against Embiid down in the post. That probably wouldn't work out too well. I mean, not to say that Shane June is going to necessarily shut him down, but at least Shane June is a bigger player who can actually you know, hold his own, at least in the post against a uh, Joel and B. But I don't think it's going to be an every game thing. It may not even be, you may go week, uh, uh, several games without seeing it, but I do think it's going to be some circumstances where um, you may not even see Alper and Shane June playing it at the, the five position. Heck, it may be some time where, if it's Willie Cauley-Stein or Bruno Fernando, whoever the backup center is, maybe they're playing five. So I think that Silas is going to be mixing and matching a lot this year. Because like you said, they're not trying to – let me take that back. I'm not saying that they're not trying to win because I don't want people to get into all they tanking on purpose. They're not going to be winning a lot of games this year. So they're still in the rebuilding mode. So I can Organic see losing. Organic losing, which some people don't like hearing that either. Um, I mean, we don't want to have a whole spaces on that organic right. losing, but they're not really going to be in a lot of winning situations. So maybe they experiment and see, you know, what's going to be the best thing. Maybe they just play Shangun because, like you said, they're still trying to rebuild and they need to see if Shangun can actually play those minutes because yeah. once you start competing the following year, you're going to be in a lot more circumstances. Yeah. You need to know if Shangun can actually play those minutes. So um, I think it's kind of going, going to go back and forth. It's, a mix and match. Kind of mix and match is kind of what they want to do. And I hope people realize that, that the Rockets are still learning. I mean, yeah. even though this is KPJ's, what, fourth year now, and Jalen Green's second year, and Alp's second year, I mean, these are still really young guys. So yeah. 
you're not going to still be seeing a finished product next year. As much as everybody wants to, well, some people want, some people want them to completely be the worst team in the league to go get Wimby Yama. But as much as people want to see them win at a better pace, including myself, they're still rebuilding. They're still learning. Yeah. Um, they're still only going to be at the best high end. I mean, if everything goes right, 30 wins, um, more than likely closer to 25 wins next year. So, I mean, we'll see. They're going to be having a lot of different lineups, including different centers, different backup centers. Maybe Jay Shantae closes. Maybe they run a three-guard rotation with Josh Christopher closing a small forward. I mean, who knows? I just think that they're going to be doing a lot of different things. Um, that's going to wrap it up for the first segment. The second segment, we're going to be talking about an interview that um, Coach Steven Salas had earlier in the week with Matt Thomas and Ross Villarreal over at Sports Talk 790 on and welcome back to the Rockets Fuel Podcast presented by Clutch Fans. And in the first segment, of course, we were talking about the signing of Willie Cauley-Stein to a training camp deal. We talked a little bit about the backup center position and also a little bit about uh, Al P and what we kind of expect from him to come up in this next season. Uh, in the second segment, we're going to be talking about uh, the Coach Salas interview that I teased at the end of the first segment. Uh, he actually he'll say he was talking to Matt Thomas on the Matt Thomas Show. Actually, a really good interview. They asked him several uh, different questions. He was on for about an hour. Some interesting sound bites came out of it. One was he uh, they were asking him about Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green and how they look towards the end of the year. And he had mentioned, the coach I had mentioned that, like we all know at this point, because it's been talked about a lot, that Kevin Porter Jr. was one of the best catch-and-shoot uh, three-point shooters in the league last year. Actually, he shot around um, – um, if I'm not mistaken, he's around. He's actually second next to DJ Augustine, who actually played half the time. Um, he only played like 15, 16 minutes a game. So really, if you look at it as far as regular players, Kevin Porter Jr. was the best catch and shoot three point shooter last year. And he talked about Jalen Green possibly handling the ball a little bit more. And we also know with Al P in the starting lineup, he's going to be handling the ball more and having Kevin Porter Jr. play a little bit more off balls since he's such a great catch and uh, shoot shooter. Um, so I want to get your opinion on that, A.D. Um, so what do you think about playing Kevin Porter Jr. more off the ball next year to where he can take advantage of some of the um, catch-and-shoot opportunities? Because we know Jalen Green's going to get even more double-team this year. We saw Al P. was getting double-team as a rookie last year. So it's going to be some opportunities for some wide-open shots. So what's kind of your opinion on playing him off ball more? That makes a lot of sense because, um, like you said, I mean, there are going to be opportunities for sure. Jalen's going to be getting different kind of coverages, defenses. Yeah. Um, a lot of times I think Porter might be open. Um, yeah. But also, Singoon has, has also has good court vision, as we know. Ability to facilitate, create some for him. So, it makes sense. Um, KPJ thrived, you know, like you said, in catch-and-shoot scenarios. Uh, second behind another Rockets legend, DJ Augustine. <laughs> legend, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean that makes sense. You know, that's kind of what I want to see. I've been wanting to see some some offensive, you know, innovation, if you will, from Silas. We know that that was his bread and butter. Yeah. Um, you know, he pioneered at the time the most efficient offense in league history with the Mavs that last season that he was there. Um, so these are some of the adjustments and things I kind of want to see him make um, schematically. Um, Jalen, you know. I feel like Jalen does have some creating creation ability. Um, yeah. I like I like hearing Silas say we want to have Jalen play a little bit more off the dribble versus off his shot. Yeah. Um, I like that. Also, kind of shows that you that Silas has some trust in Jalen to make the right pass, make the right read. Um, you know, and, and and to get the ball to to KPJ. So 
Um, I like that idea personally. Yeah, I mean, I do too. I think people were kind of, I won't say brainwashed, but they got used to one player being the dominant ball handler. He has to have the ball in his hand all the time. He has to make everything happen for everybody on the court. And they try to project that onto KPJ. And that's, not, that's never going to be the type of player Kevin Porter Jr. is going to be. He's never going to be James Harden. He may yeah. have, the, he may be left-handed. He may have some of the same type of characteristics on the court, but he's never going to be a ball dominant, half the ball in his hands, 24-7, getting 12 assists a game. That's just not his type of game. And I don't want it to be his type of game because yeah. then you're taking the ball away from Jalen Green. You're taking it away from Alper and Shangun. Now you're going to be taking away from Jabari Smith. So you don't want Kevin Porter Jr. out there trying to average 11, 12 assists a game. I mean, I'm fine if he approves somewhat as far as his assist to turnover ratio, which he did in the second half of last year. I mean, before the All-Star break, it was like six assists, three turnovers a game. After he had cut it down like an, a turnover a game, which is huge for him. Yeah. Um. So if he, if he can get it even further down, that's even better. And if he's averaging around seven, eight assists at the most, that's fine. But he doesn't have to have the ball in his hands every single time down the court. I think it will benefit the entire team if you have the ball in uh, Alper and Shane Gillen hands at you know at the top of the key high post offense or Jalen Green running more pick and rollers to where if he if Alp is setting a pick and they're trying to trap Jalen Green guess who's going to probably be wide open it's probably going to be more than likely Kevin Porter Jr. because you're not leaving Eric Gordon open because for most of last year Eric Gordon was a top five shooter as yeah. much as everybody wants him off the team and wants him on another team I mean he still provides value as a three-point shooter you sure and once Jabari Smith is hitting his shot consistently, you're not leaving Jabari Smith open. So then what's your option? You're not leaving Al, Al P rolling to the basket wide open. So it's probably going to be Kevin Porter Jr. Um, so I'm fine with seeing him play more off ball. I think that's actually a, a good thing and something we'll probably see a lot in preseason where they're trying to, you know, work in Jabari Smith into that starting lineup. Um, <clears throat> one other thing they actually talked about as well um, Coach Charlotte was talking pretty uh, at in, at length about how Jalen Green has looked during this offseason. Not necessarily that he's gained weight, but he's gotten stronger um, yeah. and that his shot should actually is um, shots, shots on the court should actually expand beyond where he shot last year because he is strong. He has a stronger base and his shot is more fluid. Um, yeah. It has been more fluid during the offseason. So what are you expecting uh, – coming into next year because we saw last year, especially towards the end of the year where he started expanding his game out even further because he got a lot more confidence in the shot. Yeah. So I, that makes a lot of sense to me. I, I think we'll see a lot, a lot more of um, what we saw towards the end of the season, as opposed yeah. to what we saw at the beginning of the year, not only because his, his form, his shooting motion is stable. It is set but also because we're not going to have the spacing issues that we had at the beginning of the year because of Daniel Tice fit, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, even late in the season, you know, some some of the Christian Wood stuff, you know, kind of, I feel like kind of, kind of affected a little bit. Yeah, um, You're not going to have any of those things. So it, it, it makes a lot of sense to me that we'll see um, a much more comfortable and confident Jalen. He's always, he's always confident in his game. Yeah. You, know, you know he's got a lot of confidence. He oozes with confidence and pride. But I'm just saying when it comes to, you know, he knows his role. Um, he obviously, you know, he he has a lot more comfort with his his shooting form, shooting motion. Um, so I do think we'll see we'll see more uh more range when it comes to, you know, his jump shot. Yeah, and also I guess it helps that 
we actually saw him on the court the last few weeks. So um, we at least know that he actually is working out. He's not just at home <laughs> chilling or making TikTok videos like some people thought he was doing um, since they didn't actually see him on the court, um, which yeah. was kind of something we were talking about off the air. Like it was just crazy. It was wild. People do think that Jalen Green wasn't working out because they didn't see it, <laughs> which is just kind of just crazy to me. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I think that Overall, him being stronger also will help him get into the basket as well because we did see that towards the end of the year, he actually started getting the foul calls. And he's going to get hammered even more, we know, because teams are going to do whatever they can to make his life miserable. And they think that you know constantly knocking him to the court is probably going to be the solution to that. So him getting right. stronger will definitely help with that as well. Um, I think you'll see his free throw because what did he average last year, end up averaging three or four free throws a game, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, three and a half. Three and a half, yeah. So I think that can get up to five or six a game next year. Yeah. And we know he's going to shoot a good percentage. So that's going to all contribute in him going from 17 points to around, I think, 21, 22 um, points a game next yeah, year. For sure. Um, no that. Yeah, so I think that's something definitely that everybody should watch is how his shots and how strong he looks next year, um, especially going to the basket, especially taking maybe 32, 33-foot shots instead of – the normal 27-foot right. uh, three-pointers. Um, so that definitely be something interesting. Yeah, um, for sure. Another thing that he – well, another thing that I noticed, he mentioned Jay Shantae's name a lot. Um, so yes. <laughs> we're going to see Jay Shantae in the rotation one way or another. I know people were making a big deal about him saying um, Jay Shantae – when he mentioned the 4-5 position, he mentioned Jabari Alpine, and then he mentioned Jay Shantae, and they thought maybe that meant that he's going to be in the starting lineup over Eric Gordon. I don't think that that's going to be the case. I think that they like Eric Gordon so much that he's going to be on the court. He's going to be starting. I just yeah. think that means that Jay Sean Tate's still going to get close to 25, 28 minutes a game, whether he's coming off the bench or not. And something a lot of people don't realize, the last 20 or so games, he shot 38% from three-point range last year. Yeah, um, it, Of course, yeah, which is surprising. But, of course, it was low attempts. It was around two and a half attempts per game. But you'll take that from Jay Sean Tate, whether it's yeah. – Point five attempts per game. Yeah. Him shooting that compared to why he was before the All Star break, where he was shooting hovering around 30, 31 percent, is something that we all as Rockets fans hope that kind of translates into next season. And something that I mean, I know Kelly Eco mentions a couple of times that he was shooting lights out in a lot of the uh, practices and a lot of the um, off season workouts that he has. So. Hopefully he could translate because, I mean, I think as Rockets fan, I think we think that's really what's holding Jay Shantae back is his three-point shooting. Yeah. Um, Because we saw a lot of times last year, Daniel Tice was an issue, but it was the Daniel Tice and and, uh, Jay Shantae combination was the real issue at the beginning of the year last year because teams will literally put their centers on Jay Shantae. And I kid you not, that center would not move from the paint. They would just leave Jay Shantae wide open, and that would just clog up the lane. Jalen can get to the basket. KPJ can get to the basket. And that is a huge thing for him. If he's shooting around 34, 35%, I'd say, from three-point range, um, once Eric Gordon is traded, I, I don't think there's any doubt. I know people want Tyree Eason to start. but Not yet. I st- I, not yet. I don't think he's going to be starting until probably you know garbage games at the end of the year to where they're you know just really evaluating the entire team. Not to say that Tyree's not going to – have an impact, but I just don't think he's ready. I, just, I still think Jay Sean Tate's a better player overall. Um, 
I just think that people get in love with certain players, especially new players. Um, yeah. Kyrie Eason is kind of the new person on the block. You know, everybody's excited about him. And don't get me wrong, he had a great summer league. But yeah. <clears throat> as Coach Salas mentioned in the uh, interview, take summer league with a grain of salt. You're, it's a bunch yes. of players that aren't going to be playing more than likely in the NBA. It's really just pickup games more for the most part. And that's another reason why I didn't get too overboard about Jabari Smith and how he played in the first couple of games, because it's a pickup game. And Jabari Smith's game is not really a type of game that's going to translate to a pickup game. So Tari Eason did great, but I want to see that in the preseason when they actually some type of, you know, structure around these games. Yeah. Even then, you, most of the stars aren't going to be playing regular minutes. So you really won't know what you got with Tari Eason until you see him in the regular season games. So for now, Jay Sean Tate is still ahead of him in the uh, pecking order. Um, yeah. So what did you make from the amount of times that Coach Salas mentioned Jay Sean Tate's name? Well, it just kind of confirms what we kind of know, that he's one of his guys, man. Salas yeah. has his, his guys that he really, really likes and he values and he trusts. Uh, we know that Eric Gordon is definitely one of those guys. Yes. We know that yeah. um, by their refusal to trade him for a first-round pick, which is probably what it's worth, uh, what it's been worth. Yeah. Um, and we also know that he really trusts Jay Sean Tate. You know, yeah. that's one of his guys. It's easy to understand why he would he would trust Jay Sean. Jay Sean is kind of a, a hard-working guy, very humble kid, yeah. um, but also a little bit older, uh, as we hear about a lot on Rockets Twitter. Um, <laughs> Doesn't fit the timeline. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't surprise me that he's expecting big things. Um, he yeah. even mentioned that Matt Thomas asked him about, you know, how can the Rockets improve, you know, crashing the glass, and he mentioned, you know, JT, one of the guys that would help with that. Yeah. Which that's something that actually caught my attention because I don't think Jay Sean has ever gotten more than five rebounds a game. No, um, I don't think so. Yeah. So I'm not sure if if he is expecting an uptick there, or even how Jay Sean could get an uptick there, um, but. Yeah, I mean, he he mentioned Jay Sean a lot. Like I said, he, we know he's one of the guys that he trusts, man. <laughs> yeah, he's in the inner circle of uh, Coach Silas yeah. uh, when it comes to players that he's that he's going to play, regardless of what people say outside of the organization, um, maybe inside of the organization. Who knows what they yeah. what you know some of the conversations he's having with Stone? But he trusts Jay Sean Tate. He trusts Eric Gordon. Um, he trusts those guys, and that's why those guys get uh, guys actually gets minutes. And I, I think that he's going to get minutes regardless if he's on the bench, off the bench. What really is going to be interesting is players like KJ Morning, players like Tari Eason. Who's going to get those minutes behind those players, uh, yeah. behind Jay Sean Tate, um, and you know, behind Eric Gordon? Because I think Garrison Matthews. I know some people pointed out that he's one of the guys that can stretch the floor. I understand that, but. Man, he, he is the definition of frustrating sometimes. Oh, <laughs> I mean, sometimes some of the shots he takes are wild shots that if maybe if you're Jalen Green, you can get away with that. But in right. his case, eventually that's going to kind of get you out of rotation. And I think he's going to get squeezed out of rotation. He may get some spot minutes, like some of the situational tough stuff we were talking about at the beginning of the uh, podcast. But I don't see him getting a ton of minutes yeah. uh, with his rotation uh, coming up next year. So, yeah, Jay Sean Tate's going to get his minutes regardless, one way or another. Um, is there anything that else that stuck out to you about the uh, interview? Well, I like I like hearing him talk about how the guys have been here, uh, how the guys have been in Houston. You know, uh, I feel like a lot of times, a lot of teams, um, you don't get that. You hear players training in L.A. or Miami or New York. 
and and we've seen you know we've seen some of the, the KPJ training with Chris Brickley uh, videos up in New York, which is kind of the guy a lot of the NBA players go to trainer. Um, we have seen some of that, but uh, it stood out to me that he said that pretty much all offseason they've had their their crew, their core has been intact. I also like that he's saying the vets are still leading the way. He's like, you know, Jay Sean and Eric Gordon have been in the facility like every day. Part of why you can understand why he would have a trust factor with them or why they will be his guys because, you know, they're leading leading by example. Um, a lot of times when you have veterans who are proven, I wouldn't say Jay Sean is necessarily proven. Gordon certainly is a little more than Jay Sean. But yeah. is, a lot of times you have vets who are proven, they feel like I don't need to do that. You know, I'll do my own thing. I, I, you know, You know I'm working out. You know I'm training. You know, I like the fact that he's like, yeah, those guys have been here in the facility pretty much every day, you know, this whole offseason. Um, another thing that that stood out to me that we really already hit on, but it is it is what it was a prime takeaway was, you know, again, him talking about Jalen doing a lot more, you know, playmaking, creating, yeah. you know, facilitating. I like that because I feel like he, he has that skill set, just not something that we saw a lot because he was still figuring out again his shot, his form, you know, the flow um all, all those factors as well so that also is something that that, that i like hearing um also man we got we got to figure out what kind of music he likes man because when they asked somebody he was listening to he's like i don't listen to music i just listen to podcasts <laughs> well he can listen to our podcast anytime yeah, yes, yes, he, please, he can jump please, on yeah. here you know hey it's an open invitation man we'll definitely <laughs> but yeah we got to give i mean he's in houston man he gotta come on it's, it's plenty yeah. of choices, man. I mean, hey, Slim Thung, Bun B, Paul Wall, they nah. just did a song for the Rockets last year, man. That's right, man. <laughs> Which would be really interesting to see what, what the Rockets are going to come up with that shit because, I mean, yeah. you know, that was that was a great song, man. I, I'm still jamming that song to uh, today. So it will be yeah. kind of interesting to see who they work in, you know, this upcoming season. But, uh, yeah, man, he got to be listening to something, man. There's plenty of music in, in Houston to be listening to. And then we know that he's also a good company man because when they ask him what restaurants, he's been starting spouting out Tim Fertitta's restaurants. <laughs> yeah, man, he he better name all them uh, Papa's restaurants. And uh, right. I, yeah, I, I go to the casino in my off season. Uh, what what casino he got is a Cachada? Where, where, yeah, where, yeah. Casino? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he better be naming off those. Uh, but but uh, yeah, and at least we know at least we know his his shoe game is is on point. At least yeah. We know that. Well, we, we got to give him that. But. Uh, one quick thing you said that I wanted to point out um, that I think should be a, a, a bigger deal to Rockets fans is he said that because they asked him, is that a normal thing for all the players to be uh, and yeah. not even mandatory in volunteer um, workouts? And he was like, no. And keep in mind, I know people don't sometimes people don't realize Coach Salas has been around the NBA a long time. Long I mean, he's time. a new head coach, but he's been around the NBA for like 20 years. So yeah. to say that, especially young guys um, that want to be on the court together in the offseason that don't have to be, um, that's kind of a big deal. And I think you'll see those improvement on the court next year, whether it translates to wins or not, who knows. But I think we'll see an improved team overall uh, with the addition of Coach Adele Fatai and Lionel Hollins. Um, I think that you'll see an improved team on the court to where you're not seeing a bunch of people with their hands up on the court like what right. just happened. Because <laughs> we saw that a lot last year, especially on the defensive end, to where they were like they had no clue what was going on on the court. Yeah. Last uh, two so years, actually. Last two years. I, I, honestly, I'll just blink out 2020, man. That, that, <laughs> 
that that yeah, year was that year was so bad. I just kind of <laughs> just completely forget about that. But yeah, the last two years where they have no clue at all what was going on the court. So at the very least, I want to see a functioning team. I'll yeah. settle for that, even if we don't necessarily get the wins. Um, so that's gonna wrap it up for today's show. Um, of course, we'll be back next week with another episode. Um, but before we wrap it up again, AD, why don't you let everybody know where they can find all your content? You can find me on Twitter at A underscore Duckett, on IG at Antho Duckett, uh, and for all of my audible words uh, here on the Rock and Fuel podcast. Of course, as usual, it's always great having you on AD. Uh, we'll be back next week talking more Rockets. Maybe we'll get some more Rockets news so we don't have to scrape in and scrap for <laughs> Rockets news during this offseason. But before I actually, before I wrap it up, I want to get your opinion on the uh, Texans today. What you expecting to see? Oh, that's actually a good question. Um, I, I don't think we'll see much from Mills. I think yeah. they might pull him after two drives or so. Uh, it'll, it'll be a lot of Driscoll because the uh, backup yeah. quarterback Kyle Allen's got COVID, um, which I'm not really excited about seeing Driscoll play QB. <laughs> they moved yeah. him, or they already moved him to, to tight end, uh, yeah. H-back type position. But um, I'm curious to see how much the Saints play their starters because they, they had a lot of key offseason additions. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know how much you're gonna probably see Bridgewater. I'm, I said Bridgewater. Jameis Winston today. Well, um, well got, got he he got hurt like early in camp. Oh, really? So I, think they, I think they. It wasn't anything serious. It's a foot yeah. injury. It's a foot strain. So I, I don't know if he's gonna play tonight at all. Um, yeah. I bet they probably won't play him since he you know he's got that. Yeah, usually you only see the starters one or two series. I mean. We saw your uh, favorite player in the world, Deshaun Watson, oh, uh, yeah. go out there and kind of uh, didn't have the greatest uh, <laughs> greatest uh, opening series there. But usually you don't see the starters too much. Um, we'll probably see Davis Mill at the most two series, I would yeah, think. Sure. So um, you probably won't see a lot of him. You probably won't see a lot of Brandon Cooks if Cooks even yeah, plays at all. You yeah. we might see some Nico Collins. I'll be interested we to see should, what he we does. We should. We should, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so we'll kind of see what they you, – you usually don't see too much of it until – it used to be the third preseason game, but now the last couple of years, it's really been a second preseason game where yeah. they've been playing a lot of the starters of the entire first half. And in the last two preseason games, they don't even play that much at all. So, um, hey, it's no expectations going in, kind of like with the Rockets, but, you yeah. know, you're still going to get the hot takes if, if David Mills go out there and throw two interceptions in the first game. You know, people are going to lose their mind. So. Yeah, I really want to see it's kind of on the defensive end because you got a lot of those young guys, uh, yeah. a lot of guys fighting for roster spots on that defensive side for sure. So I'm really curious to kind of see how that shakes out. Yeah, I mean, I, if anything, you kind of want to see them play more minutes than some of the starters yeah. um, because – Again, just like the Rockets, they really struggled on the defensive end. So, yeah, I mean, we, we want to kind of see what they're going to uh, – kind of what their game plan is going to be. Hopefully they get away from the playing 20 yards off of a player, off of a yeah. wide receiver like they did the last <laughs> several years when Romeo Cornell was here and a couple yeah. of other guys. So, hopefully we see more aggressive defense. I, I, I very least I want to see that. So, well, they've, um, got better, they've got better DBs now. So, we hope yeah. we shouldn't have that problem. We shouldn't not, at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully, you know, we won't be seeing that. And then somehow they still get beat deep when they're playing 20 yards off the guy. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want to see that. Um, so that's going to wrap it up for our, seg- our Texas segment of the uh, Rockets Fuel Podcast. <laughs> uh, I know you weren't expecting that. But, <laughs> yeah, that's going to wrap it up for today's show. Um, if you aren't already doing so, please subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. And, of course, the video will be up on YouTube. 
Um, so make sure you subscribe to the YouTube, the Clutch Fan YouTube page, and giving us up likes and comments and uh, whatever you can uh, give as far as engagement. We always appreciate that. So make sure you come back next week for another episode of Rocketsfield Podcast presented by Clutch Fans.